Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike Perry, and I'm here with my good friend and new co-host, Brett Jones. Brett, how you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic, Mike. Looking forward to uh, diving into today's topic. Absolutely. So today we are going to talk about our kettlebell journey, where we started, what got us interested in kettlebells, and where has it taken us? And um, we both have a little bit of experience with kettlebells and, and hopefully we can share our experience and our knowledge and our journey with you and uh, hopefully you can get some good takeaways as well. So, so we're going to start with Brett because um, Brett does know a few things about kettlebell training, but Brett, how did you get started with, with kettlebells? Like, where did you even learn about this stuff? Oh man. Well, uh, I was running a hospital fitness center at the time and uh, a former employee employee came back. He was pursuing a degree in exercise science. And he came back and he said, Hey, you need to check out this guy, Pavel. Uh, he's got this really good book, Power to the People. And uh, I, th I think you'd really like it. And I said, okay. So I, I got it. And I'm like, yeah, this is like, you know, mind blowing. It was anti-bodybuilding. It was minimalist. It was two exercises to get it all done. It was focusing on strength, not aesthetics, not bodybuilding. Uh, so there was just so much. And of course, you know, started my deadlift and side press and uh, started working my power to the people uh, routines and working on my deadlift. And uh, about that time, of course, the marketing machine kicked in and I started getting all of the, the, the um, mailings and whatever. Uh, this was back when they actually mailed you physical stuff that you could hold and read. Remember the um, magazines. Exactly. So I'm reading about kettlebells, kettlebells. Uh, you know, Pavel put out his first uh, book on kettlebell training, Russian Kettlebell Challenge. And I got it and I read it. I'm like, man, this is some really great information, but I can do all of this with a dumbbell. And I literally like chucked it in a, in a drawer. And over the next, call it two months, it was kind of picking at the back of my head. So I pulled it back out. I uh, hooked up a 50 pound dumbbell and tried one of the snatch workouts uh, in, the, in the back of the, of the book. And when EMS revived me, I said, you know what? I should probably go get trained in this. And for those of you that don't know me, that's a joke. EMS did not have to revive me, but it was impactful. Like I went through this workout and I'm like, holy man, there is something going on here and got my first kettlebell late in 2001. Uh, went to the second ever uh, certification with Pavel in February of 02 and then started traveling and, and teaching with uh, Pavel in uh, April of 03. So here shortly, I'll have been certified with Pavel for 20 years, teaching with him for 19. And um, uh, so a few years in on uh, traveling, teaching, and a couple of swings, snatches, presses, and things done between now and then. So you mentioned that it was impactful. Um, what exactly was it that was so impactful? Was it the fact that you just absolutely smoked or was it the simplicity of it all? Uh, dig a little bit deeper into that. Both. Uh, it was, it was the simplicity. It was, you know, one, 
just doing one of those routines um, with a, even a dumbbell snatch, not even having to coordinate the, the kettlebell snatch, um, just, you know, I certainly felt that everything had been sufficiently worked, uh, including the cardiovascular system uh, in, that, in that session. And um, I just, I knew that the controlling the kettlebell and learning how to use the kettlebell would be something that would take everything to a, another level. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I um, noticed early on, and, and I'm sure it was the same way, it's, um, you know, it's, you can cover a lot of things with a simple swing or a simple snatch. And, you know, at first, everyone's like, it's cardio. Well, yeah, yes, it is cardio. There's a cardiovascular component, but there are, there are specific adaptations that happen with the kettlebell um, in the way that you train versus traditional, you know, long and steady state work. But um, I, I, one thing that was really apparent to me was my lack of uh, muscular endurance and even understanding how muscular endurance plays a role in the overall picture of training, because, you know, it's not your true strength training where you're doing a, you know, a five by five and you rest for three minutes or four minutes. And it's not that straight cardio where you're just going to go run. And it's, it's one of those things where it's a, it's a true combination of both, but it, what it does is it just checks so many boxes and, and, and I'll be honest, when I first started, I didn't realize how many boxes it was actually checking until down the road. And then I realized, wow, there's, there's a, a fitness component to this, but there's also um, a movement component and the way that the kettlebell impacts your body, it, 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 it works really hard, but it's very, very joint friendly. Is, is that something that you found as well? Absolutely. Um, you know, the kettlebell is always what I've come back to, uh, to regain my strength and conditioning. Um, I've had a few challenges over the last few years and, uh, for, for a variety of reasons, and we can do a whole other episode on, uh, on that, but, uh, the kettlebell is always what I come back to, to regain strength, to regain conditioning. Um, and, and it is just because it's such an efficient package. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working on this, uh, strength aerobics book or, uh, might be called iron cardio, uh, book. And one of the things that, that I talk about in there is, and, in the, and this is from one of Pavel's articles, uh, and it's some very Russian concepts. You know, if, if you look at the concept of GPP or general physical preparation, uh, versus SPP special physical preparation, very Russian, uh, oriented terms. Um, the American concept of GPP is not. Uh, accurate. <laughs> uh, GPP is everything. Um, it's not just conditioning. You know, GPP kind of gets lumped down into this. This is what you do for your conditioning sort of thing. Um, and you know, SPP is something else. GPP is everything. It is, it is the, the base and everything, but the very tip of the pyramid, which is that special physical preparation, which only elite people really need. Um, so, uh, I look at it in the same way. And, and one of the things that uh, Pavel talks about in one of his old articles on work capacity was uh, the concepts of general endurance and potential productivity. And general endurance, again, is one of those things that's an overarching concept. Because when you mention something like strength aerobics or iron cardio, and you start throwing those aerobic and cardio terms in there, or you say this has a cardiovascular impact, the exercise physiologists lose their mind right? Because it's not true cardiovascular training. It's not, you know, it's, it's a hybrid, but if you look at it from this general endurance and potential productivity standpoint, you start wrapping in multiple qualities. Uh, and it's, uh, part of what we used to, and still refer to as the, what the heck effect. 
Um, I'm doing this uh, very simple kettlebell routine, but my one-arm push-ups went up. I haven't practiced one-arm push-ups. I've done this simple kettlebell routine and I'm doing more pull-ups than ever, but I haven't been practicing pull-ups. So there's this carryover. Um, and maybe that's one of the things we'll talk about when we get to our three big questions of the minimum of minimal effective dose uh, podcast uh, concept, but um, it's, it's definitely, um, yeah, lost my point, but I, I often have no point, so it's okay. Well, it's interesting because I have studied a lot of traditional Russian periodization and I've studied a lot of work of, uh, you know, Leo Medvedev and, 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 and uh, Tutabampa and all these guys. And, and uh, what we need to understand is like you said, it is physical preparation and it is such a wide base that you can pull from. I mean, <clears throat> I think too many people focus on specific preparation first, but you know, when I explain to people what general physical preparedness is, is, is I tell them, like, if you have a really good GPP plan in the gym, you should be able to go home. You should be able to stack wood, swing an ax, um, pick things up, use a wheelbarrow, and it shouldn't destroy you because there should be a carryover and, um, and vice versa. I know some people that have done manual labor their whole life and they go into the weight room and they're strong as hell, but they've never actually done a, a formal training. Um, so it's just very interesting because it's so general that people think you have to be specific with your programming, but literally when done correctly, you can, you can influence a lot of things and, and develop a lot of things by just putting together some very, very simple programs that cover a lot of things. And, 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 and what I love about kettlebell training is it really checks in my opinion, from my experience, kettlebell training, um, is going to have one of the biggest impact on your GPP than anything else. Um, because it will help your cardiovascular uh, fitness, not in the traditional way that we thought, of course. And you were talking about, again, how the exercise physiologists and even the, the other people studying this stuff, they've only studied traditional, like if you look at traditional cardiovascular work, you know, there's a bunch of studies on bikes, there's a bunch of studies on running, there's a bunch of studies, well, not a bunch of studies on rowing, but those are all more of those traditional sort of cardiovascular type of modalities. But then there's kettlebell training. And kettlebell training is, is a different animal because it's very skill specific. And I would argue that a lot of other people don't look at running as a skill or biking as a skill, but it, the kettlebell, because you're moving this ballistic object at, at various rates of speed, there is a skill component that it's cool because you get a carryover. We talk about the, what the heck effect with kettlebells, you're going to get that GPP, but you can develop a skill at the same time. And I think that is where the magic happens. You can develop a skill and get the GPP. You can, you can polish the chrome and get GPP. But here's the, here's the beautiful thing about kettlebell training. You will get fit by learning. And most people don't equate those two. And that's the beauty of it. Literally, you can learn a skill and get a great workout. That's a twofer. It's better than sitting on the, um, you know, walking on the treadmill, watching the view five days a week. Cause let's be honest, you're not going to get a whole heck of a lot about that. But, um, what do you think it is about the kettlebell that, let me ask you this, what qualities, if you were to pick a handful of qualities, what do you think kettlebell training can provide for the average person just looking to get into fitness? Like, what do you think they're going to, what's the benefits of kettlebell training? Strength, power, efficiency, uh, not to be too succinct, but, uh, I think, I think you're going to build a ton of strength. I think you're going to be able to accomplish, uh, a, a form of power training, not 
true plyometrics, but a form, uh, something that uh, Verkashansky would probably call power metric sort of uh, training, uh, and then efficiency, but efficiency in, uh, there's a neurological efficiency that develops. Um, and if I were to boil that down into like a, a very simplistic statement, you just become better at moving energy through your body. Mm-hmm. Um, I went from, and, and I showed up at my, you know, in, in, uh, February of 02, when I'm at my first cert, you know, mm-hmm. I'm there and I'm, uh, I was, a, you know, a, I think I was maybe deadlifting 350 close to, yeah, probably 350 ish at the time. Um, I was squatting maybe 315, um, maybe 285 or 315. I can't even remember. That was a while ago. And I, I can't really remember, but, um, you know, I wasn't, uh, and I could maybe get to the net, the bottom of the net, if I was doing a vertical leap, um, Pavel teaches me how to unlock my hip flexors and, and do the swing and, and snatch correctly. And I actually touched the rim, uh, at that weekend. There's an, I don't know. There's a picture somewhere. <laughs> there is proof. Granted, um, it was one of those toddler basketball hoops. You know? <laughs> hey, 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 we're not going to talk about that. But I, but I did, I, I, oh, that's I awesome. un, unlocked this uh, ability and ability to use, move this energy through my body in a way more efficient fashion. Um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, those strength power efficiency. Yeah. And, 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 and honestly, what you just said there is um, talking about unlocking your hips and then being more powerful. I mean, that's almost in a way, a, a corrective strategy, right? I mean, you're sitting in there, you're doing a little bit of work to maybe unlock your hip flexors and your quads. It's going to give you a little bit more ability to extend your hips. And then you go into these larger movement patterns, like a a hip hinge, and then you start to hit save on that document. And and honestly, guys, that's corrective exercise in a nutshell. I mean, that's, it's very, that's a very simple approach and it's only one approach, but you know, sometimes it's as easy as stretching a certain thing and then, and and hitting save on the document with with something else. And that's just smart training. But the beauty of it is the volume that you get in the repetitive hip hinges. I always tell people when I do a kettlebell workshop, we're probably going to do hundred to 150 hinges today. And it may be with body, you know, 50 of those might be body weight. 30 of those might be a light deadlift and the rest could be swings, but you're going to get some hinges in and you're going to get a lot of hinges in and if we can, if we can measure that and manage that over time, that, that continued dose of hinging, that's going to hit save on the document. And then your body's just going to adapt because you're stressing it. And that's a beautiful thing. So there is a corrective component. Um, and, and that leads me to another, uh, you know, sort of exercise, if you will. Um, there's this exercise called the, the get up or the Turkish get up, um, in which, uh, you may have, uh, done a few of those and maybe written on it, but, um, you know, we talk about kind of, you know, carry over the get up. And, and again, we could do multiple episodes on the get up because you've done stuff, I've done stuff. But um, why do you think the get up is so powerful? So Gray refers to it as alignment with integrity under load. And uh, the, the question that I ask at, at pretty much all the workshop certifications is when you're in, in the whatever stage of the get up, What's holding the kettlebell? Well, it's the ground. You, the goal is to efficiently align your structure so that that load settles through you efficiently and into the ground. So at all of those various steps and stages, you are trying to efficiently align your structure so the load goes uh, into the ground, not 
specifically into one joint or one area. Um, it is a it is a loaded carry, um, really, uh, which uh, many of us do not do enough of. Um, so it is that static yet dynamic motor control that is life and athletics at, at a at a certain point because it's it's all about uh, how do you align your structure to best deliver a force or receive a force. And uh, so I think the getup excels uh, for those reasons. It's interesting. I was uh, spent a lot of time in the car this weekend and I was listening to um, I was listening to the, the movement podcast with Gray and, and, and Kelly Starrett, which was an excellent podcast. If you guys haven't checked that out, it's pretty awesome. But Gray said something um, that just really it, it just stuck with me. And he's talking about efficient movement. And he's like, you know, here's a movement screen that I've been using, but I, I really haven't done it formally. If someone can get off the ground with grace and with integrity, with alignment and walk briskly, they're doing pretty good. And reminds me of the getup, right? If someone can do a Turkish getup with form, with integrity, with tempo, they're moving pretty well. Like granted, we can break out joints and we can look at local, you know, joints. We can look at regional, we can look at other stuff, but I'll tell you what, if someone does a getup and it looks really good, I guarantee you they're going to screen well and they're probably going to do well in their musculoskeletal assessment. So um, it's uh, one of those exercises that it requires a lot and it checks a lot of boxes. And uh, you mentioned one other thing is the load, how the alignment and the posture, you know, dictates your ability to hold that load. And, and, you know, one of the things that I always try to teach when I get someone to get a kettlebell overhead is to simply march, because if you can get that kettlebell stacked over your pelvis and you can march your structure and the ground is what's holding that kettlebell up. Now you get that kettlebell up and your biceps in line with your ear. You're in a probably a pretty good position as long as everything's moving well from a lower extremity standpoint. But if you have, if that shoulder flexion moves 15 degrees forward towards extension, and now that, that kettlebell just feels three times heavier because no longer your, your structure is not supporting the load. It's, it's, you're putting in an, you're actually in an inadvantageous position with your shoulder. And that's why your shoulders getting smoked. So that's why having the alignment and having the posture is going to be, is going to be more efficient, but also therapeutic because, um, mechanics are mechanics. And, and, and let's be honest, if we see something, if we see someone doing an exercise and they're moving beautifully and with control, it's just a nice thing to watch. It's almost a dance a little bit. Sure. It's a, uh, it's a moving meditation. It's a, it's a loaded yoga <laughs> sort yeah. of, sort of situation. Uh, Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to call an audible, uh, All right. and we're going to go a little left turn here. Um, or go with the Manning Omaha, Omaha, <laughs> uh, call the audible. But, uh, we talked about how I got started into kettlebell training. How did you get started into kettlebell training? Um, so I had early on in my career, I was the good athlete guy. I, there's, I love to train hard and training hard and, and, and beating myself up was something that I just did. I used to, I was that guy that was in college 1030 at night on a Saturday night running sprints in the in the basketball court, because that's just me. I always, for some reason, I love to push myself physically. Um, but at the same time, when I was pushing myself physically, I was an early adopter of CrossFit. Um, and when I say early adopter, I just pulled wads off of the uh, website and just did it. And I didn't know a thing about movement or, or programming. I just did it. Um, so 
early on, I was just pushing myself through these torturous CrossFit workouts. And eventually um, I overdid it, um, had a pretty significant low back injury, uh, herniated a couple discs. Uh, it wasn't good. And I was in a lot of pain and uh, I had to shut it down for a while. And then I was like, oh man, I got to do something. And I don't know where I read this, but it was probably along the lines of, you know, someone saying kettlebells are good for your back. And I was like, they are cool. I'm going to buy one. So I, uh, I went and, and, and found, uh, you know, some kettlebells and this was uh, early perform better times. And, um, let's just say, you know, the early kettlebells in the U S were not like the ones they are today. The ones they are today are gorgeous. They're beautifully casted. The old school ones, well, they looked a little different. The handles a little rough. Sometimes they were a little crooked, um, et cetera. But anyways, I was having some back stuff and I started to heal up and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy a kettlebell and I'm just going to start swinging this thing. Zero instruction, by the way, I I've never swung a kettlebell in my life. I'm just like, I can do this. So I just started doing exercise with kettlebells. I taught, it was self-taught and they, I've, I actually found an old video. I should show you at some point because it's God awful. Um, but I just started swinging the bell. And, and to be honest, I didn't even know what a hip hinge was at that point, but I just started swinging the bell and I was hinging. I just, I didn't know enough. I was just a decent athlete that could do stuff. And I started swinging the bell and just doing these workouts. And then my, my back just started to feel better. And I didn't know why it just felt better. And, and to be honest, if we were to have a big discussion on why it helped, I can give you some insight, but there's some things I just can't tell you, but I just felt better. And every time I did these workouts, I felt better. And I was like, Hmm, there's something to this. And like you said, Brett, it was a, it's a rude awakening when you've never trained with a kettlebell and all of a sudden you do hundred swings or something. And you're like, I thought I was in shape and you're dying. Right. I mean, it's just a different, it's just a very different load and it's just a very different feel when you really start doing this. And so anyways, my back started feeling better. I was like, I got to look into this. So went on the old Google machine and found the uh, dragon door website and, and read about it and saw some beast tamer stuff, which looked really cool. Cause I was like, Oh, I could do that. So I, I said, I'm going to sign up for my level one certification and try to do the beast tamer challenge at the same time. Um, and by the way, I didn't know, I didn't know a damn thing about strength training, like at all. I was probably the worst strength and conditioning coach on the planet, but my goal was to just do that. Well, I quickly learned, yeah, the, the beast tamer thing's not going to happen because uh, I mean, I was getting my butt kicked with a, with a single 24. So doubling that weight wasn't in the cards. So anyways, I was like, all right, I got to train for this thing. And the only thing I read was snatch test. And I was like, cool, I just got to do that and I'll pass. So I, 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 I didn't have a following program. I didn't follow a program. I just did a bunch of stuff as much as I could. And, and basically like, I basically tried to do the snatch test like every other day until I could do the snatch test. And um, in retrospect, perfect. Would, perfect. That's, I highly <laughs> recommend it. Do that with a marathon. It's going to go great. Right. Um, but um, so here, here's what happened. I get out there, I get out to uh, Minnesota. And, uh, this is the first time probably I've ever hopped on a plane by myself. So I, you know, I go on a Expedia.com. This is when you could book everything at the same time, but this is when the hotels, you didn't know what you were getting. So if you signed up for a three-star hotel, you didn't know what hotel you were going to get. You just know you were going to be in a hotel. So I ended up at this place in the middle of Egan, Minnesota, which was like 45 minutes from, from where we were. But anyways, I go out there and, uh, it is what it is. I get out there, I get signed up. We start training we start off with two 24 kettlebells, doubles. I've never, I've never used two kettlebells at once in my entire life before this weekend. So I'm sitting there like, we're using two of these. So I somehow 
managed to make it through the weekend. And, uh, you know, my team leader at that point didn't really help a whole hell of a lot, but, um, I was, I was, I was able to make it, but (laughs) I know joking aside, I'll go back. That's where I met Brett. So, um, (laughs) Brett was my first team leader and, uh, we had emailed a couple times before that I remember, but, um, I just went out there and I survived the weekend. I didn't, I'll be honest. I, I didn't even know if I was going to pass because I, I just didn't even know where I was at. All I knew is I was really tired and sleeping at night wasn't an issue. So I go out when, there, I get certified. What year was that Mike? Oh, oh eight, 2008. Okay. Cause I, I, I first picked up my kettlebells in like 2005 and six. And then I just messed around for a while and again, parked them for a little bit and then picked them up again. So that was, I believe 2008. And then I, I passed and then I went back and practiced and, uh, and, and I got a little bit better, but, um, I think within that time, and this is, this is the funny part of the story. I, I thought I was getting pretty good with the kettlebell. Like I was like, I'm pretty good with this. And, and here's why, cause no one else was doing it. Like there, there wasn't any RKCs in the area at this time. There was one individual that was out of Boston and I forget the guy's name, but he was one of the early adopters. So, um, I do my, my, my level one certification and, uh, Brett, we, Brett and I kept in touch and Brett's like, Hey, I'm going to be teaching an FMS up in Maine. Um, you're around. I'm like, yeah, heck yeah. I'm like, I want to learn more about the FMS and you know, I'll come pick you up and we'll head up to Maine and do the thing. So we're, we're teaching and, uh, or actually at this point, I wasn't even involved with dragon door or FMS. I was just the guy that wanted to learn more and, um, you know, follow around these people that I wanted to learn from. And I, uh, I said, Brett, Hey, can you look at my kettlebell skills? And he's like, yeah, yeah we'll do it at a break or at lunchtime. So I, I proceed to show him my skills and the look of disappointment <laughs> on Brett's face <laughs> said it all. And, and, and here's the scoop, the look of disappointment said it all, but also Brett goes, you got some work to do, man. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, no, you, you gotta like, he nicely said, everything you do sucks. Um, and, and it, I was like, I was like, what? Like I'm dude, I'm the kettlebell man. Like I, I'm the only like person. No, it was bad. And, and I didn't know it was bad. It was the old, uh, you know, the old idea of, um, unconscious incompetence in a way. Like I didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, I, I didn't know how to swing bells and I didn't know how bad it was. So that was a turning point in my kettlebell career, but in my life, because I was always the athletic guy that just worked hard and that I, I got through things by working harder than people. Um, and my attention to detail wasn't always the greatest. And, and this was the most humbling experience because here's something that I was passionate about, thought I loved, and I was just completely off course. And um, that, that set the bar for me. And I said to myself, you know what, at this point, I'm just going to, I'm going to check my ego at the door and I'm just going to learn as much as possible. And I went on and did my level two and I passed my level two. I barely, barely missed the beast tamer challenge. Um, and then after that, we did the CKFMS out in uh, Minnesota with, with, uh, with, with Brett, with Gray cook and with Pavel. And, um, and that was pretty much my journey. And then I just fell in love with it. And same thing. I'd try all these different modalities of exercising. And once I jacked myself up or, or pushed myself too much, I always said, well, I should just, I'm just going to go back to kettlebell training. I always feel better. So at first I was like, I always went to kettlebell training when I hurt myself doing other dumb things. So then I said to myself, why don't I just do kettlebell training all the time? Cause that seems to make a lot more sense. And, and, and since then, um, you know, it's, I have been able and, and fortunate enough to learn from people like Pavel and Brett and 
um, other people in the Strong First community. And, uh, you know, I get to teach alongside some of my colleagues and some of my friends like Brett. So it's, it's pretty cool to see how far I've come from uh, this person that didn't know a whole heck of a lot um, to still not knowing a whole heck of a lot, but at least I'm better than I was before. So uh, that's my kettlebell journey in a nutshell. And I'll be honest, I, um, you know, as, as I get back into grappling more and more jujitsu, um, that's my weapon of choice because uh, from an energy expenditure standpoint, uh, the first time I ever competed in grappling, it's a five minute round. And it felt like I did the snatch test. And it was, it was the same global exhaustion <laughs> that I had never felt before. Cause I'd run three hundreds and sprints and the beep test I've done all that, but this is, this is a different animal. And that's when I realized I'm like, wow, like, and, and, and we can talk more about how, you know, kettlebell training can benefit grappling, but it was just more of a, like a, a realization from a conditioning standpoint, from pushing myself, what are the two hardest things I've ever done? And, um, you know, grab my first grappling tournament, that was terrible. I was awful. And I would say, you know, and then this, not so much the snatch test, the snatch test is hard, but once you've done it a few times, it's not, it's not as bad. But when I did the TSC and you do, you know, you try to incorporate as many reps as possible within five minutes. Well, I hit 140 reps in five minutes at the TSC that I did a long time ago. And let me tell you, that felt like my first grappling match. I mean, literally my forearms were hurting for a day, my hands, like I couldn't close them. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's just one of those things that was so similar in the way that my body felt, but at the same time, it was not as taxing because no one's trying to break my arm, trying to break my leg, trying to choke me out. It's, it's kind of self-induced, <laughs> self-induced trauma, if you will, or self-induced torture. But I, 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 again, I always keep coming back to the kettlebell and, you know, for me, it's, it's not necessarily about the kettlebell. It's not like it has this magical power and this aura that glows around it. It's how you use it. But there are some misconceptions with kettlebell training. And, and Brett, what would you say are like the, the three biggest misconceptions with, with kettlebell training? All right. So uh, for, for those of you listening at home, this is a peek into what will hopefully become or maybe become uh, part of the standard uh, minimum effective dose podcast uh, structure. And uh, so uh, three biggest misperceptions or misinterpretations. Um, and I had a few in my head. And then as soon as you asked me the question, it, it, they flew right out uh, of my head. No. Just make, just make uh, something up. That you think I wouldn't anyway? Uh, so number one is it's just like a dumbbell. I, I think when people see it, um, it's, it's this very brutish design, right? It's a kettle, it's a cannonball with a handle on it. And so the, the mindset, uh, and, and I can't tell you over the years, how many people pick them up and do a curl with them, uh, you know, right away, uh, because a weight equals a dumbbell, uh, to, to most people. And so they see the kettlebell and they perceive it to not be unique, uh, because it is um, maybe unfamiliar to them or they, they, they don't appreciate the uh, offset center of mass and, and things of that nature. So I'd say that's number one. Um, number two is um, the um, um, power training, not appreciating. And, and I've had conversations with more, let's call them more hardcore exercise scientists or strength conditioning coaches who are, well, you haven't built your strength base up to where you can do power training. And I've taken 
high school athletes to, you know, 70 year old grandmothers uh, and had them swinging in five minutes, technically doing some sort of power training. Um, so we can build power sooner than we thought previously. Uh, and I, and for number three, I would say it is that cardiovascular impact. It is that conditioning or cardiovascular impact that people don't, uh, appreciate. Um, so that those would be the like three biggest misperceptions or misinterpretations. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so we've got sort of our, our misconceptions. Um, if you were to pick three essential components of kettlebell training, what do you think those three either essential components are, or if you were to say, if there were three exercises that you would pick for someone, what do you think those would be without movement screening and without knowing their injury history, just kind of a general statement. So I'm, I'm going to go more conceptual, uh, on this, um, and, uh, three essentials have a coach, even if it's just for a couple of sessions, get that foundation set, learn some of the essentials. You can save yourself six months of frustration by having a coach that helps you get off on a, on a, um, a good base. Number two, patience. Patience is the key to so many things in life. And I, you know, I was asked on a podcast recently, if you could go back and talk to your younger self, you know, what would you say? And it was one word, relax. <laughs> Why so serious uh, for the uh, dark night fans out there. But um, yeah, patience, patience in your programming, patience in your progression, patience with yourself as you're learning. Um, and, and number three is, um, um, and this is going to sound repetitive, but proper programming work with that coach to make sure you're on a program that, that really builds skill and, and accomplishes your goals. Absolutely. Very good. And if there are three things about kettlebell training that absolutely drive you nuts, that if you could never see again, what would you, what would you delete from the internet? with and what would you say that like okay if i never saw these three things again i'd be it wouldn't it wouldn't be an issue whatsoever so give me those three oh, man i i think i'm i think we're gonna have our first uh, controversial statement here that's okay uh, first thing to delete flows um i i it just drives me batty um <laughs> that's okay hey that's if, your opinion man that's awesome yeah I, I'm allowed. Can I have an opinion? No, no, am I allowed? Allowed? no, nope, no opinions, no opinions because you're going to upset someone. So I, yeah, flows. Um, I, I would say the, um, really just doing too much. The, the, the high, high volume, um, you know, there, there is such a thing as the 10,000 swing challenge Dan John put out there, but a, he meant it as a challenge and B it was supposed to end at the end of the 30 days, it's not, it's not some training routine that you go on forever. Um, and then, um, number three would probably be somewhere in the direction of, um, just not pursuing skill. Uh, I'm basically 20 years down the road of having started my kettlebell journey. And I learn something every time I do a swing, every time I do a clean, every time I do a press, um, I'm, I'm learning the whole time. So the, that sort of, uh, workout mentality where you're, you're just using it as a blunt object to beat yourself instead of using it as a tool to build skill. 
Excellent. And uh, all right, I'm going to I'm going to flip the script on you here real quick. So, Mike, three biggest misperceptions, misinterpretations of kettlebell training. Uh, number one, you can't get strong. Um, I have heard from so many people, you can't, can't get strong with kettlebells. You just can't. Well, um, there's this uh, individual by the name of Donnie Thompson. And uh, Donnie Thompson is a very, very strong man. And uh, I forget what book it was. It was in one of Pavel's books. And he talks about the fact that, you know, I don't know what Donnie has squatted, but Donnie is probably close to a thousand pounds, I would guess. I mean, the guy is over, over 1200, over 1200. Exactly. So my point is, is that he's a really strong dude. And I remember in one of Pavel's books, he said something along the lines of, you know, double kettlebell front squat with double forties, absolutely destroy me. And, um, that is something that I think people need to understand is we talk about GPP, the double kettlebell front squat might be one of the most impactful exercises for GPP because you think it's about the legs. <laughs> it's not always about the legs. It's about everything. And, and let me tell you, when you get two heavy kettlebells in that front rack position, you're tensing your abs harder than you've probably ever tensed those in your entire life. And if you want ab training, grab a couple heavy kettlebells and do some double kettlebell front squats. Um, I would say number two is I think people underestimate the versatility of the kettlebell and, and they think that it's only good for certain exercises. And like anything, um, if you understand the principles of training, um, you can use that kettlebell however you'd like. Um, and it's one of those things where it's not just a swing it's not just an implement for swinging. It's not just an implement for snatching. You can use it for several other things. So I would actually argue that um, people say it's not versatile, but I would actually say it's the most versatile piece of equipment you can have. I can get myself in great shape with, uh, with the single kettlebell. And I would say um, the biggest, another big conception, another thing that sort of kind of rubs me the wrong way is that people think you can get a great workout from kettlebells, but they underestimate how much skill goes into swinging a kettlebell, snatching a kettlebell. So yes, you can get a great workout with a kettlebell, but it is very skill oriented. And um, if you're looking to just get really sweaty and tired, move to Southern Texas and become a landscaper, right? I mean, you'll get hot, sweaty and tired and sore, but that is not a great indicator of a great workout. So, um, you know, with kettlebells, I feel like we can just, we can check so many boxes. Um, and I would say, lastly, it's one of those things where um, some people are really drawn to kettlebells and some people swear by them and some people don't, but here at the end of the day, I've seen people's lives transformed through kettlebell training. And I know how impactful this can be. So for me, a lot of people just discount, they look at the kettlebell, almost like they look at a thigh master or something. It's like, it's not just this toy that is a fad. It's been around before dumbbell, before barbells have, I mean, this is, this is a, a legitimate training tool. And uh, I think it's just often misunderstood because I think people think it's too easy or they don't want to spend the skill, but I've seen people's lives be transformed to just from proper kettlebell training. So, um, well, you stuck a fourth one in there, but, uh, that's okay. But, but it that, is a fourth but that's, one. that's good. I can't count. Uh, I can't count. So three essentials of kettlebell training. Um, I would say, if you want to go more in the exercise direction, that's fine. I went more conceptual. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's like your, it's, it's your three essentials. I would say be patient again, because again, it is a skill. And I think one of the things that, that people don't understand about kettlebell training early on is they think that if I go to learn how to swing a kettlebell or work with a coach to develop these techniques that I'll never get a workout, but here's the beauty of it is we have kettlebell workshops all the time. 
and we teach them how to swing a bell and they get a workout. So that's the beauty of it is um, you can develop skill and you can get a training effect at the same time. Why wouldn't you choose that? You, it's a twofer. Um, and, and then I would just say, uh, another thing is, is start with the basics and don't be so eager to grab the next kettlebell. Spend some time with those smaller kettlebells and, and maybe, you know, when I first started, you couldn't get two kilo jumps. It was a 12, a 16, a 24, a 32. And, and that's, to be honest, I didn't even know at that point they had heavier kettlebells than the 32. So um, that, that's something that I would say is you can get really strong with one weight. You don't always have to have multiple weights. You just have to have really good programming. And then um, the other thing I would say is um, you're going to be a little sore at first and you're going to um, feel things that you haven't felt before, but at the same time, just keep moving, do some joint mobility the next day, go for a walk, make sure you get plenty of sleep. Um, those things are going to be super impactful for everything you do. And at first it is new. So understand that there's a learning curve. You're going to get a little bit sore, but that's okay. It's not the end of the world. You're not going to get injured. You're just going to be a little uncomfortable. And for being brutally honest, you know, if you want to be successful at anything in life, you have to be a little uncomfortable. Was that three? That was um, three. As far as I know, at this point, right. I don't know. And three things to delete or not to do. Um, I think it's just one of those things. I actually think one of the things that drives me nuts, and this is big box gyms, they chain, like I've seen gyms where they chain the kettlebells up as if they're like going to attack people and jump and bite them. It's like, I don't understand that. Put them on the floor, let people play with them. Maybe they'll have a good experience and who knows what's going to happen. So that drives me nuts. Um, I also think that a lot of people think that the kettlebell has magical powers and it doesn't. It's how you move the kettlebell. The kettlebell is simply an implement by itself. It does not have any power. You use it correctly. And guess what? You're going to do really, really well. Um, and uh, I would say the last thing is, again, you mentioned flows and, and I'm definitely not a flow guy as well. Um, just understand why you're doing something. Because if you want to get really strong and you like flows, but you're using an eight kilo for an hour workout, it's not going to happen. And again, you need to understand why you're doing it. I'm a very minimalist person. You give me two exercises and I'll just do those two exercises. But um, I'm not a huge fan of the flows. I'm not a huge fan of, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that is, is almost moving towards the squatting on a BOSU ball type scenario. It's like, at what point are we just thinking of new things because they're new? Or are we, you know, I, I just don't understand that thought process. So for me, I'm a simple guy, but I think people do things because they just, they assume it's going to have, a certain result. And we both know that that's not the case. So um, um, I guess I'm a little bit with you on the flow thing. Mark, uh, Mark Verstegen referred to it some years ago as intertraining, intertraining, entertaining as you train. Yeah. And most people are looking, they're, they're looking for something quote fun to do. Mm -hmm. And Hey, I'm with you. Um, however, you know, what's fun results. I, I enjoy getting results. And, um, so my fun comes from doing the work, um, and pursuing the skill. And, uh, so what are you going to do with this? What's Monday morning? It's Monday morning. I listened to this amazing podcast, uh, over the weekend. It's Monday morning. What do we want people doing with this information? Um, I want people to first try to seek out a coach with experience. I don't want them to uh, just grab a kettlebell and start swinging. Now, does that mean you 
you can't be self-taught. No, you can absolutely be self-taught. Um, if you have the awareness and the discipline to be consistent with things. And, um, I think one of the best things you can do if you want to learn about kettlebell training is find someone that has experience that's been doing this for a while that has been trained and knows the ins and outs of it, but also knows how to run you through whether it's a movement screen or a musculoskeletal assessment. Um, just make sure before you decide to redline your body and, and push your body in a different direction that you're moving well enough. And, um, and just please understand that it's a skill and not everybody can teach it. Some people can, some people cannot. And, 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 and honestly, that's on the coach. Like I can teach a hand clean and a power clean, but I'm not very good at it. So I'm going to, if someone came to me for Olympic lifting, I'm going to say, go down the road. I know a guy that's way better than I am. So, um, that's just a big part of it, but it's, uh, just learn, learn to do it right. And in front load it, learn that skill early on, spend a lot of time developing that skill early on. And then down the road, then you can have a little bit more versatility. So, um, what about you? Monday morning comes around, someone's thinking about kettlebells. What should they do? Well, you, you stole all of my thunder. Um, <laughs> cause I was going to say pursue skill and, you know, find a, find a good coach. Cause I, I, and if, you know, if, if you've been training with kettlebells for a while and you're kind of like, um, you know, you either think you're all that in a bag of chips and you got it all figured out, um, or you're wondering how you're doing, getting a form check saves you a lot of time. Frustration can point you in a very different direction. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where I was going to go with it. So thanks for stealing all my thunder there, bud. Hey, I went to it first, so I get all the credit, but, uh, <laughs> Hey, listen, Brett, as always, um, it's good to chat with you. It's good to uh, catch up on things and, um, friends stay tuned for the next episode, but in the meantime, find yourself a good, strong, first certified coach and, uh, get out there and learn how to swing a bell. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. See you, buddy. Hey friends. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.